Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, let's dive into God's Word. If you have your sermon notes, you can take them out. And we are in part four of a series on the book of Romans, the book of Romans, where we are finding clarity in the midst of chaos and the world that's so chaotic and everybody's confused. We're bringing clarity. Paul wrote the book. I gave you the whole introduction a few weeks ago. He wrote the book as a letter to a church in Rome where he knew if he went there, it would, it, the letter would go there. It would go all around the world. And it was really a huge theological book. So we're taking this series and we're going a little bit deeper than we would normally. We're, we're, we're talking about some big theological terms terms that we normally wouldn't talk about on a Sunday morning, but I think it's something that is helpful. I think it's something that's stretching us, and hopefully you're learning something from it. Are y'all learning something from the Roman series so far? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So Paul wrote this letter. He was a guy who hated Christians, persecuted them, and then ended up becoming one. And when he did, he took the life of Jesus and really wrote out the theological ramifications of it. So we get a lot of our doctrine, a lot of our theology from the book of Romans. And so I've given you three I am statements already. I started this whole series out by saying that I am unashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we should live bold, unashamed lives because of what Jesus did. And then I continued in week two, said I am done with excuses. In a world that just loves excuses, we say, wait, we can't live by excuses anymore. We have to live in confidence of what God's called us to do. So we're not going to live by excuses. And then a couple of weeks ago, I continued it by saying, I am living by faith. This whole thing is a faith journey. So we're not going to live by facts, even though we don't deny the facts. We just deny that the facts have the final authority in our life because we live by faith. Can I get a better amen to that today? Church. So we're going to pick up in the passage that we left off with in the book of Romans chapter 4. We're in verse 18, and we're looking at the life of a God by the name of Abraham. We know he's the father of the faith. And as we look at the life of Abraham, I want us to see in here how he had faith and what was the result of it. Look what it says in verse 18. Against all hope. And let me just pause there for a second, because some of you, this is where you're at in life right now. You've lost hope. The situation is terrible. The diagnosis is bad. What do we do when we're against all hope? Look what Abraham did. Abraham, in hope, believed. And so he became the father of many nations. Just as has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. So let me just pause there. Here's what happened. God promised him children. Now, I don't know about you. If God's ever told you that he's going to do something that seems kind of crazy, let me tell you, it's not as big as this. Because this is him, God speaking and saying, hey, you're going to have children. And by the way, um, Abraham's like, hey, um, I'm 100 and my wife is 90. This is not going to work, God. I don't think you understand how this whole thing works. But he's saying, then, but that's not his response. His response was, look at verse 20. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. And that's my challenge for some people in church today, that in a world that is so wavering when it comes to what's going on, because we see the reality around us, we have hope within us that we can stay strong, saying we are going to trust the promises of God, even if we haven't seen them come to pass yet. So he says he was strengthened in his faith, and look what he did. And he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Let me pause for just a second. I don't know what God's promised you in your life, but God has the power to make it happen. 
You can't do it in and of yourself. You can't strive enough in and of yourself. But if we can put our hope in God, we can put our faith in him, he is fully capable of making that thing come to pass. Come on, give him better praise than that today, church. He's fully capable. This is why, and then the Bible says like this, look at verse 22. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. So Abraham, because of his belief, experienced righteousness. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for who? I need everybody's help today. For Also for who? Us. For us. That's talking about us, Radiant Church. To whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. I've given you I am statements so far. Today, I'm going to give you another I am statement that could be one of the most crucial ones, but yet most under, misunderstood ones throughout the scripture. And I want you to take notes because today's passage is so important. I'm going to talk to you to, for the fact that I am made righteous. I am made righteous. You might not feel righteous. You might not even act righteous. You might even look like your life is very far from righteous, but I'm going to show you today that when you put your faith in Christ, when you put your belief in him, there is a righteousness that comes that becomes your identity. Your old nature is gone. Your new nature is here, and you get to walk into all that God has for you because of this word called righteousness. Look what it says in chapter 4. It says, God will credit righteousness. In other words, we don't have it. God will put it into our account. And here's who he credits righteousness to. For those who believe. For those who believe. Not for those who work enough for it. Not for those who act the right way. It's for those who believe. So how do we get what is, we get righteousness through what? Through our belief. So what is righteousness? Write it down in your notes. Righteousness is right standing with God. It's right standing with God. We were disconnected. We were separated from God in our sins. Yet when we put our faith in God, when we put our faith because of what Jesus did, we become in right standing with God. This is a crazy idea that we see throughout the book of Romans, and we see it so clearly throughout the book. I wrote it down in your notes this way. It's a crucial topic that is discussed 35 times in the book of Romans. Why? Why is it discussed over and over again? It's almost as if Paul knew that the church would continually have an identity crisis. And they would continually identify themselves based off of their issues, based off of their illnesses, based off of their issues in their life. And we continue to go back to their sin and say, this is who I am. And Paul continually corrects it and says, no, you are not your past. You are not your mistakes. You are not your issues. You are a new creation. You are righteous. He, he puts this definition, he puts this statement on our life saying, this is the new nature that you have. So we have to believe it. We have to understand it. And this is good news for you because I want you to understand that your identity can change. Your issue can change. We have a whole world that's trying to label you by your identity and that's wrong. Why? Because the identity we have from this world is fallen and broken and messed up. But we can remove that identity and get the new identity called righteousness in our life. Meaning we are in now right standing with God. 
And I want to show you that it's possible and for your life. So, so to do this, i got to tell you a story. Now, Radiant, I, I'm going to give you this story after nine plus years. I, I, I can't believe it that I've never told it to you before. And I'm telling it to you to build your faith that, that your, um, your issue does not have to define you. Because... This issue um, happened to me. I'm really ashamed of it. It's really kind of crazy. But um, nine and a half years ago or so, my wife and I, we moved to Tampa. We had a little six-month-old baby girl at the time. And we moved to Tampa to start the church. Didn't know anybody. Didn't, didn't have, I mean, we, were, we were, had a dream in our heart, but we were broke as a joke to come here. And so moved here in faith. And, and so let me just give you, the, the end of the story is that a few months later, um, I had a warrant out for my arrest. Okay. So... Before you leave and walk out, you're going to go, you're going, listen, what is, let me give you the whole story so you can know what happened, okay? So we were, we were broke, and uh, we were struggling, and we wanted to start this church, so, um, so we needed some money. And so what we found is that the TVs at Best Buy were the easiest. No, that's not what happened, okay? <laughs> some of y'all got really worried for just a second. That's not what happened. What happened was um, I had bought a truck for the church that we still use at some of our portable locations, this, this uh, big F-250. And so I bought this truck, but um, I was too broke to, put, um, to register the vehicle. So what I did is I took a tag off of one of our other vehicles that we had had in the past and just slapped it on there. Now, if you're a police officer, um, if you're uh, in the judicial system, if you're an attorney, just want you to know, like, this is not who I am. <laughs> All right, I, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm, this is not who I am, but let, that, this is what I did, okay? So I'm driving around for months with this vehicle with this tag on that's not the correct tag, okay? By the way, this is very illegal, and I've come to find out that this is very illegal. So I'm driving through South Tampa, and I get pulled over on Dale Mabry in South Tampa. And when I get pulled over, the police officer asked me, he, he said, um, hey, I tried to pull the tag. This tag is not for this vehicle. I said, oh, no, it's not for this vehicle. And I said, <laughs> he, he said, well, what vehicle is it? I said, it's an old vehicle I used to have. I just couldn't afford to put the tag on the, the new vehicle. And he's like, well, you have to. So he gives me, gives me a ticket and he says, I'm giving you this ticket, but you still, you have to register this tag. So um, I don't do it. And not because I'm, I was ignorant or mean, I just forgot and I got busy and I didn't take it serious. And so, and, and this is like all of our sin. Okay, I'm trying to connect this, all right? We don't, we, don't, we don't take it serious, all right? So a couple months passes and I forget about this whole instance. And a couple months passes and I get a letter in the mail saying that there is now a warrant out for my arrest. So uh, first of all, I'm just freaked out. I'm supposed to be the new pastor in town. My wife is so stressed out. She's like, Aaron, I cannot believe it. So I'm calling my uncle. He's an attorney. And he's like, you did what? And they told you to register and you didn't register it? He's like, this is a 60 days in jail with a $500 fine misdemeanor. That's what's going to happen to you. He's like, you have to file a motion with a judge to get this thing dismissed. I said, well, how do I do it? He's like, well, you can hire an attorney or you can do it yourself. And I I said, well, I can't pay for an attorney, so I'm going to do it myself. So for about a couple weeks before I could go in to meet with the judge, I know there's so much judgment happening right now. <laughs> Just stay with me, okay? I'm not as sketchy anymore, okay? But for a couple weeks, I'm still driving around this truck. There's a warrant out for my arrest. So I finally get, I get an, uh, an interview. I get an opportunity with a judge. And so I remember my court date comes up. And I'm sitting there. I got the whole motion ready to go. I registered the vehicle, did, did all my part. 
And I got there and I'm waiting in line. You're waiting for like an hour while you see all these other people go to the stand. And when they go to the stand, other people would go to the stand and I would see them do it. I'm like, man, they're, what they're going for seems like a lot less than me. And then the judge would be like, that's it. You, it's three weeks in jail. And then the judge, would t- they would just take him to jail. And I'm sitting there like the whole time. I'm like, this is it. This is the end of Aaron Burke right here. Radiant hadn't even started yet. So anyway, l- let me just say this. I, you didn't think your pastor was a bad boy, okay? I'm a... I'm, I've got a tattoo to like prove it all. Okay, no, that, none of that's true. But I get there before the judge and um, <laughs> we have a few people that are in the judicial world that are at church and uh, it's funny talking to them after services. They're like, I remember you. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> so I get there and, and uh, she, uh, she, really kind. She just looks at me, she's like, what is it for? And I, and I told her and she's like, well, did you, know, did you register the vehicle? I said, yeah, I registered the vehicle. And she's like, you, you already registered. Yes, yes, here's the proof, here's the proof. And so she took it, uh, the, the, the person took it to the judge and checked it all out. And, um, and when she did, she goes, oh, okay. Oh, okay, this is already, it's already been paid for. Okay, okay, you can go, case dismissed. And I remember having this moment of like unbelievable relief like I walked in there going, I'm going to jail. And I walked out with it totally erased, totally gone. It's not even on my record, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, <laughs> and I say it to say, that's exactly what happens at salvation. It's exactly what happens when you come before the Lord and you go, hey, I've got this sin. I've got this issue. Here's what happens. God looks at you and goes, how is it going to be paid for? How is it going to be paid for? And if you come in and you go, it's because of what I've done. It's what I've conjured up. It's the good things I've done. That won't cut it. But if you come to him and you go, hey, I just want you to know, this has been paid for by your son on the cross. I put my faith in him. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are made righteous. Your sins are wiped clean. You are given a fresh start. I think we should give him better praise than that today, church. It's what happens. That's good news for us. That's why at the end of this message, we're going to take communion together because we're going to remember the righteousness that we received at salvation. It's not because of something we've done. It's because of how good he is and he's forgiven you. And you've got to remember this new identity called righteousness in your life. So let me give you some keys about righteousness. I think it'll be helpful for your life today. Here's number one. Write it down in your notes this way. It's that righteousness... It's not achieved by works. It is received by faith. Now, this is so ingrained in our culture that everything is achieved by works. So we say things like, I'm, gonna, I'm right with God because I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't have sex, I give money, I serve the poor, I feel guilty, I have no fun, I'm miserable, and because I'm miserable, God must be happy with me. Isn't, it's crazy. This is the way we've conjured it up in our mind. And it's so part of our culture because if you ask people, why are you going to heaven? Then the vast majority of them will all say the same thing. My good outweighs my bad. I must be righteous. But that doesn't work. The Bible says it this way, Isaiah 64. All of us have become like the ones who are unclean. We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all put a tag on the back of a vehicle that wasn't the right vehicle. You're like, no, I haven't done that. And look what it says, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Filthy rags. The term filthy rags is ridiculously strong language. I looked it up in the Hebrew. I'm not going to give you all the details of it, but here's the idea. It's actually mentioning, it's translated as used 
feminine products. I'm going to spare you all the details, but you get the idea. The idea is that this is, it's, it's dirty. It's, it doesn't add up. It is not something that is going to help. It is something that is, it's not something that, that, that we sit there and we can, we can boast about. No, it is something that the Lord looks at and says, no, this is filthy. And this is the difference between Christianity and every religion. Because every religion teaches that man does the work to reunite with God. So we say, if you work hard enough, if you give enough, if you serve enough, if you act the right way, if you don't do this, 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 and this, then you're right with God. But that's not Christianity. Because Christianity, it's not achieved because of our works. It is received because of our faith. So here's how it's different, ready? Christianity teaches us that God did the work to reunite man, to reunite with God, with man. I messed that up completely. Let's try that again. (laughs) Christianity teaches that God did the work to reunite with man. Here's what that means. That instead of our work, it was his work that brings righteousness into our life. So how do we have confidence in this? We have confidence in this. Look at Romans 5. But God demonstrates his own love with us for us in this. While we were still sinners, we're still messed up. And you look at me and you go, Aaron, I'm messed up. I've got issues. Listen, this is for you. It's for you. While we're in our sins, look what he says. Christ died for us. He didn't say you have to clean yourself up. He didn't say you have to get your act together. He came down and he did the work for us. What is our part in this? He did the work. Here's our part. Ready? God will credit righteousness. Look at the verse. For us who do what? For us who believe. So his work, it was on the cross. Our work is belief. Our work is trust. Our work is putting our faith in him. And when we put our faith in him, we receive righteousness. We get it all right at this moment. It's so crazy. Look at it says in Romans chapter five. We're all over Romans today, but look at this verse 17. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, that one man's name was Adam. Okay. So Adam was the first guy. And how many know we're going to have some crucial conversations with Adam when we get to heaven. It's just going to be a little awkward. He says, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of of righteousness. Notice he calls it a gift. Why? Because you can't work for a gift. You receive a gift. You receive the gift of righteousness that will reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. So what is it? Righteousness. We're right standing with God. How do we get right standing with God? Through faith. What happens when we put our faith in God? We become right with God. Now this is going to mess with some of your minds, but I need to teach you this theologically. Okay. If you are a new Christian, I mean, you just put your faith in God. You are as righteous as somebody who's been following God for 50 years. Now, that's, that's hard for people to put their mind around because they can go, no, because I still got these issues, these issues, issues, issues. But again, you're making your issues your identity. Your issue is not your identity. The finished work of Jesus on the cross is your new identity. I wrote it down this way. Righteousness is not a sliding scale. It is a new, solidified identity given at the moment of faith in Christ. So when people look at you and they go, you're a Christian? Are you sure? 
I, you've got this issue. I saw you. I saw, I heard that word that came out of your mouth. I, I saw that. All right, you're a Christian. You have confidence to go, I'm a Christian. I'm right with God, not because of some big thing that I've done, only because I've just put my faith in the right place. So that's the difference between Christians and the rest of the world is that our faith is not in us. Our faith is in him. Because if our faith was in us and our good works, we're doomed. But our faith is not in our good works. It's in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So we can have hope today, church. So, so we have confidence today. We're walking around with pure confidence saying, you know what? I understand that I am righteous. I have experienced the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with him because of faith. Number two, and if you're still with me, say yes. All right, number two, this is super important. The more your new nature is discovered, the more you are delivered. So the more your new nature is discovered, the more you are delivered. Because if I asked you in here today, how many people have got issues, you would probably throw up your hand pretty fast. If I asked you if your neighbor has a lot of issues, come on, let's do that together. How many of your neighbor, no, that's too quick. Some of y'all threw that hand up way too fast. Because we've all got issues in our life. Because well, let me tell you, there's something about the fact that you give your life to Christ, but there's something about the disconnect of going, I'm righteous, but I've still got a lot of issues. I've got a lot of issues with this. So let me give you an example. Okay, best example I could come up with is um, 12, a little over 12 years ago, um, Katie's life drastically changed for the better. And we got married. Um, and so... My life got better too, but her life really got better. And so, I'm just joking. So um, the difference is, is her life drastically changed because her name changed. Her name totally changed. So she went from a Whittington to a Burke. And that's quite the upgrade, if you ask me. So right there, no offense to my, my family, Whittington family. I love you guys a lot. Um, so she went from a Whittington to a Burke. Now, her name changed immediately. But just because her name changed immediately doesn't mean her behavior changed immediately. Because I don't know if you uh, have ever dated someone or married someone or whatever, and your families were totally different. How many have had that experience? Like polar opposite families. That is, that's Katie and I. So Katie, a Whittington family is just a different breed than the Burks. The Burks are chaotic. We're crazy. Um, like when we go on trips together, the Burke family, we wake up with like an agenda. Like we're like, we're ready to go. We're ready to accomplish. We got 12 hours. We're going to fit in 16 different things in those 12 hours. And then I remember the first time I went on vacation with the Whittington family. I remember they woke up and they had a breakfast and they were sitting there on a breakfast. And, and I said, so uh, what's the plan for today? And they looked at each other like, this is the plan. We're going to sit around and talk. I'm like, this is terrible. Like, <laughs> it's funny because Katie's been around my family so much. She's, she's become a Burke. She's starting to have a little Burke mannerisms and Burke, Burke, Burke attitude and a little bit of Burke agenda in her. I mean, it, it's why, because listen, just because you took the name on doesn't mean you automatically become that. And, and by the way, with our families, the good thing, she's not a lot of those things too. <laughs> But with the family of God, let me just say it this way, your name changes automatically. You're not like a, a secondary child, a, a leftover kid, a, 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 a last you know, round pick on the team. No, your name immediately changes. You go from an enemy of God to a friend of God, a child of God in the moment. That's a big deal. 
But just because you've had that experience does not mean your life has changed. So let me show it to you. Romans, we're all over Romans. Look at Romans chapter 10. One of the most famous uh, verses in the Bible. But I want to show it to you in context with verse 11. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, shout it out loud. That's the goal. The goal is that we experience salvation. That's a holistic salvation. That's your life is transformed. So then he breaks it down into two categories. And I want you to see it. Verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Now, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you know that word justified means just as if I never sinned. So with your heart, you make a decision. I'm putting my faith in God. You're with that. You become saved. So how are you saved? And then this next verse says, and with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. Wait, I thought I was just justified. How am I justified and now saved after I'm justified? Because there are, the, there are two things describing two different instances. And I want, I want you to see this because this is where it goes a little bit deeper. Because one of them is a salvation of your spirit. But then there's this salvation of the rest of your body that happens afterwards that you have to work out in your life. And he says, listen, one of them happens just by belief. Just by belief in your heart. But one of them, you'll start talking a different way. You'll start professing a different way. And then you'll experience salvation. Here's the better word for that. Deliverance in every other area of your life. So let me, let me break it down for you this way. Ready? Salvation happens both immediately and incrementally in your life. So let me show you this because this is going to help you make a lot of sense because so many people think they're like, I just don't know. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I right? Am I not right? Let me show you how it works out. You see, it happens immediately in your spirit. Now that's important. That means the moment you give your life to Christ, you are saved and you'll never be more saved than that moment right there. Your spirit is sealed and set for an eternity in heaven. That's huge. That is a big deal. That's an eternal work that God does in our spirit at the moment of salvation. It's a big deal. But here's the issue is that you can be saved but got a lot of problems. And some of y'all know this. So that's why you're in church today. Because <laughs> if, if, if you got saved and had no other problems, you wouldn't even need to go to church anymore. <laughs> But you're, you're going, Aaron, I still have a lot of issues in your life because it's incrementally the deliverance happens in both your mind and your body. And I actually think it's in that order, by the way. And if you'll learn to change the, them in the right order, you'll see transformation in your life better than you've ever been before. So it always has to start in the spiritual. So it starts with a commitment to Christ. And when you give God your life and you give him your, your, your life, here's what happens. Your spirit becomes righteous. So when people look at you, they go, man, you're filled with problems. Oh, only part of me is filled with problems. My spirit, it's totally transformed, totally renewed. It is totally like Christ, and it is totally on a path towards an eternity in heaven. That's a big deal. Now, the problem with it is, is I've got a mind that needs to be renewed. Because just because my spirit is right, my mind is not right. So that's why you got to change what we call our stinking thinking and our issues that come into our mind. So what do we do? How do we change our mind? We change our mind by understanding the transformation that happened in our spirit. And the more we know what happened in our spirit, the more our mind changes. And then when your mind starts changing, guess what? As the mind changes, the man follows. So now your flesh starts to change. And the things that you once did, you no longer do anymore. Why? Because your mind got transformed. And your mind got transformed because your spirit was transformed. It all starts in the spiritual. Does that make sense? So listen, here's the problem. Because man is interested in behavior, but God is interested in belief. 
And that's the issue with our world today. Because so many people are trying to get you to change your behavior. Behavior modification does not work. What you need is not behavior modification. You need belief transformation. And as your mind is transformed in what you believe, what happens is now your behavior starts to follow. I wrote it down this way. The more your belief changes, the more your behavior will change. So that's why parents don't try to change the behavior. Get them in church. Get them in a relationship with God. And watch as their belief changes, their behavior will eventually change. So we have to focus on this. It's, it's, it's important for us to have our faith in the fact that, you know what? It's the change in my belief will change the behavior, not the other way around. Again, it starts in faith, and it's going to be sustained in faith. And I want to give you an encouragement from it. Look what he says in Romans 4, 16. Therefore, he says the promise comes by faith. We know that. That's where salvation comes. It comes by faith. So that we may, it may be by grace and may be guaranteed. Say guaranteed. guaranteed. I love this word. This word, um, every, every commentary I read off of Romans 4 all talked about this word guaranteed. It's such a strong word that Paul would use this word in there. It's almost to say, give you so much confidence to say, it's, it's like money back guarantee. It's like, hey, it is so confirmed and so solid that what God started in your life and your spirit, he will be faithful to see it go through your mind and through your body. It will change your life. Can we give him a little bit of praise? Amen, church? Let me give you one more statement. This one's helped me. Ready? It's that when I struggle with what I do, I just remember what God declared. So there's so much of my behavior that I struggle with in doing things like, oh man, I shouldn't have put that tag on the back of the car, or shouldn't have cut corners there, or shouldn't have thought this thought, or that word shouldn't have slipped out of my mouth. But when I struggle with what I do, I'm not trying to change what I do. I remember what God declared, and let me remind you what God declared, that you are forgiven, you are whole, you are now righteous and right standing with God. So be encouraged today, church, in who God says that you are. Can we give him a little bit of praise today, church? I am made righteous. Number three, and we'll close it out with communion. Number three is being righteous has significant benefits. Has significant benefits. I love this. Because now we have a new identity in Christ as righteous. That new identity affects every other area of our life. And now we have to understand that because of this new identity, we have significant benefits. And I want to show them to you. Romans chapter five. So we ended chapter four. We're now in chapter five, and we'll be in chapter five next week too, and you don't want to miss it. Look at verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, what is, he, what is he saying therefore? Whenever there's a therefore, you always have to ask the question, what is it therefore? What is it therefore? What is he saying? He said, because we have faith, because we have a new nature, he now says, therefore, because of that, here's what we got. We have been made justified through faith. Here's what it is. We have peace with God through whom we've gained access by faith into his grace in which now we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I hope you saw it right there. Because now as you walk into that righteousness, you receive this righteousness in faith. Because of it, he shows us, man, there's so many results of it. I want, I want to give them to you. Let me just give them to you really quick, right there in your notes. He already mapped them all out. But let me show them to you what they are. Look at that first one. He says, you have received peace with God. You're no longer wrestling with God, separated with, from God. 
You no longer have that anxiety of going, all right, am I right or am I not right? No, it's that peace I had when that judge looked at me and said, case dismissed. I'm telling you, the way I drove around in that vehicle two weeks before (laughs) and the way I drove afterwards is totally different. Why? Because the guilt is no longer there. The shame's no longer there. The idea that am I going to get caught is no longer there. It's, it's, I have, I'm right with, I'm right. And it's the same thing with your relationship with God. When you get right with God, when you receive that righteousness, you have peace with God. You actually go from being an enemy of God to now being a friend of God. Wow. They have peace. It's awesome. Here's the second one. It's now you don't just have peace with God. You have access to God. Can you hear him say it? He says, no, you've been gained access by faith into his grace. What is that? Now God is not distant. He's not separated from me because of my sin. Because no, my sins have been removed. All, he's not seen my sins. He's seen righteousness. He's been, I mean, I've been clothed. I've been robed in righteousness. Now, now he's seen me the same way he saw his son. So now I have access. And what is that access? That access means I can, as Hebrews says, I can go boldly to the throne of grace where I can find mercy and help in my time of need. Let me tell you, I have some great friends. I have great parents. I I have a great wife. I have great pastors that I can go to in my time of need. But I'm telling you, nobody can satisfy. Nobody can help like me going to the God of the universe and saying, you know what, God, I can submit my plans and my needs to you. And he hears me and he loves me and he cares for me. I have access to God. And here's the last one, number three, is I have hope in God. My hope is not in myself or in my flesh because the same God that started this thing will sustain it in my life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not distant. You are not disconnected. You have received his righteousness. Isaiah said all of our good works are like filthy rags, but he went on to say in Isaiah 61, he says, I delight greatly in the Lord my soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness when he went to that cross his robe of righteousness was wrapped around us when we put our faith in Jesus we have our filthy rags are gone and now we've been clothed with his righteousness and I want us to take a moment right now church. I want us to stand to our feet and I want us to just honor and celebrate the fact that we didn't do the work but he did the work that we couldn't do it on our own but he did it for us instead we're about to take communion together but why don't we just close our eyes Can we have a moment of worship right now where we posture our hearts to say, God, we love you. We celebrate you. We thank you that every bit of righteousness we have is from you. It is by you and it is for you. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's take a moment, ladies. Let's worship him right now.
campuses right now, I want you to take that communion element that so you got on the way in. If you didn't get them, our team will run through the aisles real quick and hand them out to you. Just lift a hand up. If you're watching online, why don't you run to that pantry right now and grab some bread and some juice. It's easy to hear a message like this and to have so much confidence in righteousness and man, look what we got and think that because we receive it free, that means it didn't cost anything. Listen, just because it's free for you doesn't mean it was free for him. You didn't pay for it. That doesn't mean he didn't have to pay for it. You didn't work for it. But that doesn't mean he didn't have to work for it. Somebody did. And that's what communion is. We, we celebrate righteousness, our right standing with God because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So the only prerequisite to communion is that you're righteous. So don't tell me I'm righteous because I did this, this, this. We say we're righteous because we have received by faith right standing with God. I put my trust and my hope in him. All over this room, just close your eyes. Let's take 30 seconds. If you're not where you need to be with God, maybe it's been a long time since you've made a decision to follow him. Maybe, maybe you've never made that decision. Just right there in your seat. He's one prayer away. What did the Romans tell us? 10-9? 10 10 says, listen, if, if, it's, it's with our heart that we believe and we're justified. Right there in your heart, you just tell God, say, God, I give you my sin, give you my shame, put my trust in you, forgive me. Come on, ask him right now, forgive me. Wash me clean. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name. Take that piece of bread, that top portion and hold it up like this. I want you to think of the body of Jesus that was broken for you and for me. I want you to think of his body that bore our sins on the cross. Lord, we're so thankful for the work that you did on the cross. Your body was broken for us. We eat and we remember the sacrifice that you made for us. Let's eat together. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. We could never be right standing with God without blood being shed. You see, religion would tell you that it's gotta be your blood that sheds. It's gotta be your hard work. It's gotta be your stuff that you do. But that's where it's wrong. It's not, that's where it's different. See, Christianity is not about your blood being shed. It's about his blood that was shed already on the cross. So Lord, we celebrate, we remember the blood of Jesus that was shed for us on the cross. And because of that blood, we're able to walk free and whole and forgiven past, present, and future. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. We'll collect them on the way out, but let's do this. Let's take it just the last, next couple of minutes. And before we, we leave today, can we celebrate the righteousness that we have received at salvation? the righteousness that's being worked out in our mind and in our flesh, the righteousness that we did not work for, but we received by faith. And because of that, we will spend the rest of our life worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that paid for us to have it happen in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing it together. Come on, let's sing.
Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.